We're kicking off 2022 by recapping some of our favorite episodes of the past three seasons of the Responding to Life podcast. In these special episodes, we'll highlight some of the best tips and advice from our previous guests. In this second bonus episode, we're exploring the different ways you can prioritize yourself. You'll hear from Murray Hittery, composer and visual artist and founder of Mind Travel, Puneet Nanda, founder of Guru Nanda, Melissa Monte, mindset coach and host of the podcast Mind Love, Annie Tevlin, founder of Skin Owl and host of the Off the Record podcast, and finally Colleen Christensen, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and founder of No Food Rules. In today's episode, you'll learn some valuable self-care tips relating to meditation, aromatherapy, intuitive eating, wellness rituals, and creating a life you love. These wellness pioneers will empower you to take valuable steps towards prioritizing your well-being starting today. The reality is that so often we put others ahead of ourselves. We put obligations and tasks ahead of the time needed to care for our own beings. I say this easily because I myself fall victim to this often. Luckily, my mindful awareness catches me in the act so that I can reprioritize life in order to allow for some restoration. As you'll hear in this episode, there are a variety of ways that you can start to care for yourself better. Rather than trying to completely overhaul your life, it's always advisable to start small and with one area of your life so it's not overwhelming and much more achievable and sustainable. I'm hoping this episode will shine a light on some great options for you to try out, whether it's restoration of the mind, senses, or body. The beauty is that you have a choice to try out whatever feels right for you. So without further ado, let's dive in and hear from these inspiring individuals about the ways that they prioritize their well-being amidst the challenges of everyday life. First up, we'll hear from Murray Hittery, the creator of Mind Travel and Silent Hikes, a transformative musical mindfulness experience where music, words, silence, and visual cues come together synergistically to help people connect with themselves and the world around them. In my conversation with him, Murray shared his tips on confronting life's challenges through the power of music and mindful reflection. Whatever we're confronted with, whether it's through external circumstances, you know, such as a difficult time we go through, like this pandemic, like um, financial difficulty, career stuff, um, relationship breakups, um, it could be grief uh, through the death of a loved one. So any of these kind of life difficulties that we're confronted with or internal um, things that confront us uh, through different fears. Uh, The general philosophy that I do my best to approach all of that with is kind of meeting it head on and working with it and learning from it and being in reflection with it to really um, grow through it as opposed to avoid it as opposed to repressing it, as opposed to putting it on the side, ignoring it, and um, going into kind of a suppressive relationship with it. And I think there's a, while it certainly could be difficult to confront some of those emotions and feelings, the rewards far outweigh the downsides, you know, in my experience. And so, well, how do we go about confronting them? How do we go about 
kind of meeting life's challenges, both, you know, physically and emotionally head on. Um, and of course, spiritually head on. And I think that that's really at the core of what of what we're up to with mind travel is creating experiences through music um, by which people can gently but powerfully uh, confront whatever they're going through and allow sometimes what we don't have words for, say in the case of profound grief that we're dealing with, um, mm -hmm. We sometimes don't have words for the feelings we have. And sometimes it's not just, most of the time, it's not just one particular emotion or feeling, but a multifaceted, um, kind of interwoven, multi-layered, uh, uh, you know, multifaceted uh, emotional level. So lots of stuff going on at the same time. So how do we unpack that? And music is a very powerful language to do that. And um and it really picks up where words seem to leave off. And by working with the music, we can really express that pain um, and all the feelings through it, feel it out of us. And then once it kind of comes to the surface and releases, it really does lessen and it starts mm -hmm. to dissolve. And we're left with more space, less tension, less stress, less anxiety, more healing, more love, more connection. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful process, the way the psyche, the mind and body works. And the two are so interconnected, right? We feel a lot of those emotions in our bodies. And uh, the two can't be separated from each other. So music is very much um, an art form and an experience that while it's certainly happening in the mind, it's equally happening in the body. We feel music, I think, very deeply. Mm -hmm. um, we get goosebumps when music <clears throat> affects us in a certain way. And while that's triggered from the mind, um, we have a physical effect on our, on our bodies. Uh, so the two are deeply connected. We can't you know, really separate those out. I encourage all of you to go check out his soothing recordings and walking meditations, especially if you find that sitting in silent meditation is not easy. The sounds from his music will definitely help you achieve a calm energy. You can find more about Murray on his site, which is listed in the episode summary. Next up, we're going to hear from Guru Nanda, also known as Puneet Nanda, a successful businessman who created the Dr. Fresh Dental Empire, who pivoted midway in his life to become a certified Ayurvedic practitioner, yogi, and proponent of aromatherapy as a means of heightening human well-being. Today, he brings high-quality, pristine, sustainable essential oils and oil blends to consumers through the company he founded, Guru Nanda. In my conversation with him, he shared his transformative path of self-realization after suffering what he thought was a heart attack. It turned out to be an anxiety attack that was his wake-up call. He sold his successful business and began his transformation involving yoga, meditation, Ayurvedic diet, and aromatherapy to eventually lead him on his current journey as Guru Nanda. I actually went into an ashram initially, and then I went to two, three different ones, and I spent about a year going from ashram to ashram. I also uh, learned how to meditate. I learned how to do yoga. Um, and made it a part of my routine. And also I started living a yogic lifestyle. I also adapted to learning Ayurveda and uh, learning about 
natural medicine. So that all, while I was pursuing that, I lost about 40 pounds. I had, mm. I had become, I, my blood levels, which are literally all over, came into place. I was taking all sorts of medications, literally 14 pills a day, and to, be, to where I ended up taking none a day. Um, I think that was a big transformation. I all of a sudden had five times more energy. I started to remain a lot more happier than I was. And, and I all of a sudden started to get a lot more attention, started to love life. Uh, and that that made that was probably the biggest transformation that I had in that year. If you haven't tried aromatherapy before, it's definitely a beautiful way to connect your senses with a feeling of calm. I've had the opportunity to try out many of the Gurunanda scents and diffusers, and me and my kids just love how it smells and makes us feel. Here is how Gurunanda uses aromatherapy himself and his advice on trying aromatherapy and its benefits. First thing, which I do every single day, every single day. So I have a spray bottle that you can buy from like a Walmart or anything. And, uh, but we do make it for some, some company in private labels. I use that. But I have a spray bottle and I put eucalyptus and a little bit of lavender and then I put a little bit of uh, alcohol uh, in in it. So say 50% alcohol, 50%, 25% eucalyptus and 25% lavender. And I have it in my bathroom. And right before I go to shower, I spray it. So not only the eucalyptus opens up my entire senses and I'm energized for the day, lavender kind of calms me down and makes me feel relaxed so that I can put more effort into whatever I do in the day and Mm -hmm. while being relaxed. So lavender has been shown to actually have linalool as one of the contents, which linalool, what it does, there is proof as per PubMed studies of thousands of people where where this actually helps you uh, to relax, your mind to relax, your, your cortisol level in the body uh, decreases, which makes your mind, uh, which basically uh, makes your parasympathetic system um, become, means uh, there is two systems in the body, sympathetic and parasympathetic, which is uh, one says uh, run and the other one says relax. So rest and digest mode of your body increases with the lavender oil. So, um, versus eucalyptus opens up your sinuses, and the, uh, what alcohol does it? It kind of uh, makes it um, easy. I buy IPC, like uh, it, uh, the what is available in like a bottle in Walmart. So, um, if you make this own your own spray, you start your day really well, and that's what I do. Number one. And when I come out of the shower, not only is it smelling really, it is smelling really good, but it also is an amazing uh, feel you have, and makes your shower become like a spa. That to me is meditation. And then one other thing that I do every single day is I do oil pulling every day. 
And what I love about essential oils is that when you start to use it and incorporate it daily into a practice like you do, you start to associate that feeling that comes with it in your mind with that scent. So with lavender, whenever now I smell it, I am always drawn to this relaxed state. And, and then whenever I smell other scents of, you know, orange or something citrus, then I feel energized happy. and invigorated. Happy. Yeah. And Very happy. happy. Absolutely. So orange is known for as a happy oil and lemon is known as a cleansing oil. And then tea tree is that anti, anti-infective, anti-infection kind of uh, oil. And um, peppermint is known as energizing oil. Lavender is known as relaxation oil. Sinuses, uh, if you want to open your sinuses or clean up your head, you need eucalyptus oil. Then rosemary is for focus, increases your focus. And especially nowadays in home work kind of situation, focus is important. So rosemary is known for that. Or I actually use our Breathe Easy blend because it has mm. peppermint and rose, rosemary. So I'd probably, whenever I'm f- like around four o'clock, I put a couple of breathe easies uh, drops into my diffuser uh, because that helps me kind of remain awake without getting an extra cup of coffee or something. I, I want right. to be more mindful of what I introduce my body with now. I didn't, I was not so mindful 10, 15 years ago because I would eat a jack-in-the-box or a burger from a McDonald's or anything uh, and not even care. I don't want to do it ever again, ever again, because this body is a temple. The body is a temple indeed. Who should you ask on how to prioritize oneself, especially on the days when you don't feel like it or have the time? I suggest a mindset coach. The next guest you'll hear from is Melissa Monte. She teaches people the tools that turned her life around through raw stories and inspiring interviews on her podcast, Mind Love, which highlights the incredible role of the mind and creating a life you love waking up for. In the following clip, Melissa explains how she overcomes overwhelm in order to care for herself. When I have those feelings, like, I don't know if I believe that I can do this instead of thinking, well, there might be some truth to that. Or instead of being like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't even be thinking that or else I'm not going to get there. I just sort of let that thought float by and again, zoom back into the next step and get that thing done. And then the next step reveals itself to me. And I, I just focus on that. And whenever I'm feeling the overwhelm, I come back to that very next step. And before I know it, I'm able to look back and I'm like, okay, well, I've done like 20 of these steps. Now I've laid a foundation And you start to build a new self-belief that you can do this or that it's not as overwhelming as you think, or that I am the type of person who can fix this, or I am the type of person who moves forward on my goals. And so it's so important to just zoom back in and, and just look at the next thing that you have to do. Because if you keep zooming out and and trying to look at the big picture the whole time. It can be helpful sometimes when you're trying to regain your motivation, like, oh yeah, I'm trying to go there. Okay. But back to the next step. And so just come back to that one thing. And for me, that really dissipates my overwhelm and it gives me that one thing that I can do. And one of my favorite quotes ever is by Alan Watts that says, 
the secret of life is being completely immersed in what you're doing right here and right now. And I try to remember that too, when I'm coming back to that next step, because it's the, the overwhelm lives when we are, are too much in our heads, when we're overthinking things, indecision is a form of pain. Do you think that you're going to work everything out when you're just thinking about it? You're like, well, if I think about it for longer then I'll, then maybe it won't be as messy in my head. Chances are, it's going to be even messier. It's when you are actually involved in the physicality of what you're doing, when you're actually taking those actions, that things start to become clearer, that you start to fall into flow, that the next step reveals itself. So again, for me, it's all about that next step. While essential oils are frequently thought of as tools aiding in relaxation and mindfulness, beauty products and one's self-care regimen can also be done in a mindful, restorative way. My next guest, Annie Tevlin, began her career as a professional makeup artist, then eventually combined her knowledge as a makeup artist and skincare authority and introduced a curated collection of clean, results-driven skincare called Skin L with a mission to nurture the complete well-being of the consumer, a brand that would heal the skin, but also care for the consumer's soul in the process. Annie also has a podcast called Off the Record, which is dedicated to meaningful dialogue and storytelling. In this next clip, Annie describes how she has turned her personal skincare regimen as her time to check in and mindfully nurture her well-being. The way I see it, especially as a, as a relatively new mom with the child under two, it's like putting on product is the only time that I check in with myself. Like I, I'd like to sit here and say that I've got a compact in my purse and I'm touching up lipstick and like, but it's like, that's just not accurate. You know, in the morning, splashing my face with water, brushing my teeth, right? Putting on deodorant, like some of these things that you do to create hygiene and to have pride in yourself and to feel like, okay, if I didn't do X, Y, and Z today, at least I took a shower, right? And, and product is no, for me, it's no different than that. A, the product, there's a huge lineage for me about, you know, an actual product changed my skin. I created a product. So this is not me just being a consumer. I'm a formulator. And so by that, there's a lot of love and good energy, you know, so to speak, put into this product. But it's also, it's my audit. It's my opportunity morning and night to, sh to look in the mirror and say, wow, you know, like last night's crappy night's sleep. I, I see that. Like I see that. And tonight I need to get a good night's sleep. It's my uh, it's like your compass, your litmus test, right? It's all, it's the way that, that I get to check in with myself and just make sure that I'm okay. And otherwise I'm like a Tasmanian devil who's running all around doing the podcast, doing the business, doing motherhood. And I get to the end of the day and it's like, why didn't anybody tell me that there was all of this all over my face? You know, it's like, so it's like, I ha it is the catalyst. It is an opportunity for me. It's my only opportunity for me to really take care of myself. And I, I hope that in time there will be other prompts and practices that do that. But at this specific juncture, like I, I'm very appreciative and grateful for uh, there being something that, um, that I engage with that allows me to kind of check in with myself in that way. It's not saying that every single time, by the way, I put on skincare products or, or, you know, eye cream that it's straight out of a, you know, a commercial. It can be rushed. It can right. be like, you know, one thing after the next. But 
I also have different products to choose from. And so sometimes just having a choice, <laughs> these like micro choices, when I don't have any other <laughs> choices that day, it means a lot to me. You know, it's like, I think I'm going to use this mask and like mess around a little bit, or maybe I'm going to mix these two together. Like it really is the small things. And, um, and I know that, I know that caregivers and mothers and parents out there that that will resonate with them. Another way to care for ourselves is to focus on our bodies, what we put in it, and how we nurture our physical selves. The last guest we will hear from on this bonus episode is Colleen Christensen, who is a registered dietitian that believes in the power of food freedom. Through her social media channels, blog, video, and incredibly popular membership community, The Society, she helps women to stop dieting and start fueling their bodies intuitively without food rules. Here, Colleen describes what food freedom is all about. So food freedom to me just means having a healthy relationship with food. It means eating is easy. Eating is fun. Eating is not stressful. And you can enjoy cupcakes and carrots. And you see food as equal. And I don't mean that a cupcake is the same thing as a carrot. What I mean is that neither of them is put on a pedestal. Neither of them holds more weight. They are morally equal, right? And I think that to me is what food freedom is to be able to enjoy that. And I think honestly, in the bigger picture, to be able to enjoy life more and to make it just, again, eating should be easier and more enjoyable in both the body nourishing aspects and the soul nourishing aspects. With that in mind, how do you go about eating intuitively? Colleen describes intuitive nutrition and how this plays out in real life. So really intuitive nutrition, what that means, it's getting back to, like you talked about a lot about mindfulness and just becoming back to the mindfulness of how does different foods feel in our bodies and, you know, just becoming more of that kind of what I call body attunement, um, and allowing ourselves to own our food choices, whether that be to eat the cupcake or whether that be to eat the carrot, it is really allowing ourselves to yes, apply nutrition information that we hear because nutrition information is important, right? I feel like when we, when we think about the term food freedom, we instantly think of the Instagram graphics with the, the donuts and the cookies and all those things. And while yes, that is an amazing part of food freedom. I mean, I'm specifically thinking I recently got a giant lemon twist waffle cone ice cream with fruity pebbles on top. It was amazing. I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't feel great if I ate that every single day. Right. And my body wouldn't function optimally. My brain wouldn't be able to think clearly so many different things. So it is about really applying nutrition information in a way that is flexible in a way that feels good. That's not having those rules and it's really finding the middle ground. So what I kind of describe it as is picture like a Venn diagram. So two circles overlapping, we have our internal cravings, our desires, you know, the things that we're like, Ooh, that looks really good. I want that in one circle. And then we have our external nutrition knowledge and health information in the other circle and gents nutrition and intuitive nutrition is really the overlap of those two. So a really great example of what does that look like on a daily basis is honestly, I just had some lunch just now and 
the way that I kind of worked through that is I always ask myself, okay, you know, is there anything that I am craving right now? Sometimes it's something very specific. Um, you know, the yesterday it was like, I really want some of that cheesecake that I had in the fridge. This was like mid afternoon. So I had that end of story. Again, would I want to do that every day? No. But today I was like, you know what? I can want something sweet for lunch. Okay. Um, now how can I, that's one circle. How can I think about, you know, what would make my body feel good? Okay. So maybe I'll get some protein in there, some carbs, some fat. So I had this delicious like blueberry yogurt bowl. I paired it with some coconut flakes, flaxseed, some whole grain crackers. And it was really, that to me is what intuitive nutrition is about. It's like, okay, what does my body want? What will make it feel good? And how can I craft this in a way that honors both my health and my taste buds? It is a lot more conscious of saying, okay, you know, what am I craving? Okay. Let me think about this. And like you said, then it becomes more autopilot, but I feel like in a world that wants this instant gratification, we always think like, okay, I'm going to start doing this and it's just going to start happening. I like to view everything as a learning experience. And there might be some times where you're like, nope, that didn't hit the spot or that wasn't satisfying or I had a sugar crush at crash after that. Nothing of the about that is a bad experience. That is that is valuable data for you. That is, you know, a little nugget of wisdom to put in your pocket so that when you're faced with that situation next time, maybe you have an outcome that feels a little bit better. That is how we start to let our intuition, let our own body, let ourselves start to guide our choices. Such insightful advice on various ways to care for and prioritize our well-being. Murray, Gurunanda, Melissa, Annie, and Colleen shared a lot more wisdom and tips on their individual podcast episodes. But I'll leave you all one last piece of advice from each of them. The music, the mind travel music, can act as kind of a space, as a companion to almost hold your hand through that process. So I would say generally just putting the music on and either sitting or lying back with your eyes closed um, gives the space for the feelings to emerge. And unless they're coming out in some way, then they're being held back and held in. And that has detrimental impact on our mental health and our physical health over time. So we have to feel it out of us. And music's a powerful catalyst for that. Because it just allows us to feel more naturally than just sitting alone and and just thinking about it. So the more we can feel it, the better and healthier it is for our mental state, emotional state, and our physical state. And the silent walk that you referred to that we'll we'll be um, having the audience participate in after this conversation, there we're bringing movement and nature into the equation as well. So we have the mind travel music. And then I actually guide the experience as you, you know, you had the experience. I guide it with narrative and poetry to kind of really take us down a path of discovery and wonder, uh, opening up new possibilities um, so that we can not only feel whatever pain we're going through, whatever fear we're going through, we allow it, we accept it, and we feel it out of us. But now once we clear the space, once we have an opening, what are we going to place back in there? What are we going to use that blank canvas for? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we don't want to just fill it back up with more fear. We, right. we want to actually shift and find a new path forward. And so the walking is almost a metaphor. One step at a time, we move forward. And it's just those simple steps of moving forward. 
But what do we fill those steps with? Well, we fill it with possibility. We fill it with connection, with love. And nature, whether it's a tree in your backyard or a park in your local neighborhood, it can open up tremendous amounts of connection and healing during the process as well. What really heals you is yourself, is your mind, your food that you eat, or actually less eat, I would say. The more you eat, the more sicker you get. Uh, and the healthier you eat, the better you be. I really look at the internal state of my mind as being a series of habits. And so if I'm looking, if I'm looking inward and I'm just hearing negativity, then I, I know that I've just been letting that habit run rampant too long without disrupting it. And so there's been a lot of work to be done in not identifying with that loudest voice in my head and trusting that if it's not from a place of love, if it's not from a place of peace, then that is not my inner wisdom. That's just a negative thought habit. And so not identifying with that, just recognizing it for what it is. The mind's purpose is to create thoughts and I don't want to keep that one. So I let it float out. I use visualization for this. I use uh, maybe thinking of a more positive mantra to replace it with. So the replacement method and whatever is needed in that moment, I, I kind of feel into, but like I said, that took a lot of work to be able to feel into it and trust what I'm feeling. And that might be why it took me from age 22 to age 30 (laughs) to sort of get a handle on my own healing. But it it's work that was so worth it because As the years go on, as I continuously practice, I get better and better. I get closer to this guidance. And I find that the more I actually act on the guidance immediately, instead of ignoring it for another day and let it becoming this, let it become this nagging voice, then the more often I actually do feel guided, even in the smaller moments. So it, for me, it's just a lot of tuning into myself and asking, what do I need in this moment? And trusting that what comes to mind first is the thing that's going to help. Provide yourself with time. Like, even if you don't think that you need it, even if you think you have it, you know, it's like, what would come up for you if you decided to take a walk by yourself instead of, you know, with a friend? Or, you know, for me, I live near a, a big body of water, the Boise River. And so for me, it's like going down to the river and just looking out at the river and not having my phone, what comes up? And I think mindfulness and time are synonymous. Like I I, I just don't know how we can be mindful if we're not giving ourselves this uh, kind of unadulterated, undivided attention to ourselves. And so in order to do that, you need time and you need space and, and for me, I think you need solitude. And so um, spend time with yourself because ultimately you might have to. And I know that that sounds morbid, but if you're in a partnership or you're reliant on people in your life, like we've, we've got to hone the muscle of being okay on our own, you know, and feeling um, balanced and not like, you know, it's, it's going to be a I don't know, you know, the people around us that we care about, everybody starts to go away. You don't want to flatline. So I think mindfulness, just being in the driver's seat of your own life and being cognizant of the choices that you're making and being and feeling good about those choices is what life is all about. Because then at the end, you can say, I did my best because I was mindful of those choices. So 
I would say spend some time alone, like pick a day and take 20 minutes and go and do something by yourself and see what comes up. And if you like it, do it again. And then the more you do it, you'll like it even more, even if it's low value to begin with. Like, of course, everybody wants to be on Instagram and doing things that are distracting, but it's really cool when you start to prioritize time with yourself because then that becomes highly addictive as well. So I have two tips for you. So the first one is, again, everything is a learning experience. So I just kind of view yourself as a scientist. You're just collecting data that kind of removes the judgment, especially when you're in the beginning of this process. It's like, oh my gosh, I ate more cake than I wanted to. I feel guilty. I feel all these emotions. Okay. Let me switch that and say, okay, this is just data, right? This is just, okay. Now I know that much cake probably didn't feel good. Okay. Now I know for next time. And even saying, you know, maybe I kind of ate it on autopilot. I didn't even taste it. So maybe next time I'll use a mindful eating exercise. I'll notice, okay, what does it taste like? Could I explain this to someone? What does it look like? Does it have a smell? Maybe I'll incorporate some of that next time. That's one of the big things is just, just collect data. You pretend you're a scientist. The second tip that I have for you is for me, especially when we encounter those moments of discomfort, when it is saying, you know, oh, I, I, I ate the cake and I don't feel good right now. Or to be honest with you, I was having a morning today and it was just like one thing after another was going wrong, all these tech issues, all these things outside of my control. And I just said to myself, you know what? Everything is temporary and we get through it, right? And just because you're feeling especially strong emotions, maybe it's strong guilt, maybe it's strong physical discomfort of, oh my gosh, again, I ate past fullness okay, you know what? I'm feeling this way right now, but everything is temporary. I'm learning from it. And we're going to just put one foot in front of the other and move on. That's honestly something that helps me in my day-to-day life. What amazing tips. I encourage all of you to dive deeper with each of the guests in their individual episodes, which are listed in the show notes. You will no doubt walk away having learned something new to apply to your own life in order to level up, prioritize your care, and live life more mindfully. Plus, in Murray's episode, at the very end is a guided silent hike journey that is absolutely beautiful. I feel so grateful to all of you, my listeners, for joining me on this special episode and so appreciative of the guests that were featured in this episode for their generosity of spirit and their impactful work. Tune in next week for the third bonus episode, revisiting a few more of my favorite conversations. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with others and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. To learn more on how to apply mindfulness to your life, please check out my book, The Mindfulness Journal for Parents, available on Amazon. On my website, jayatlurie.com, you can also check out older podcast episodes and so many tips on infusing mindfulness into your life, particularly if you are trying to conceive, experiencing infertility, managing your mental health, or navigating parenthood. I offer affordable online mindfulness workshops as well as private online meditation sessions. Thank you again for your support. And I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.